Welcome to Is It Halloween Yet? Episode 15, a spooky little podcast where we talk about all things horror and ask, Is it Halloween yet? I'm afraid not, ghouls, ghosts, and goblins, but we have made it to the spooky season. It's 19 days until Halloween. I'm your ghost dispenser. Let's see what we have on the slab this week. I've got more horror news for you, and then we'll talk about VHS 94, out now on Shudder. I don't want to jinx it, but it seems like horror games are having a bit of a moment right now. From supernatural horror to classic visual novels, let's take a look at the news. Choo Choo Charlie is a cute name for a game that should be branded as Nightmare Fuel, the game. I've always personally found Thomas the Tank Engine a little bit creepy, but Two Star Games amps up that fear to 11, making him a sharp-toothed spider train. In the game, you're tasked with helping locals lid them, rid themselves of this horrific monster. You level up your train by doing tasks for them for your ultimate showdown with Spider Train named Charlie. Koei Tecmo gave us a deeper look at Fatal Frame, Maiden of Black Water. The trailer shows gameplay and also gives us more lore about the setting of the game, the mysterious and treacherous Mount Hikami. The game is out on all platforms on October 28th, and I cannot wait to play with this with all of you over on YouTube. It's a hidden gem of the Wii U era, and a game that I quite enjoy the camera mechanics of. Vampire the Masquerade single-player RPG Swansong gave us a look at its final playable character, Emin, from the clan Toridor, who was turned by the love of her life, Hilda, over a century ago. Swancong... Swan Song comes to current la- and last gen consoles and PC via the Epic Game Store in February 2022. Thanks to Tokyo Game Show, we found out about Wanted Dead from Metal Gear Rising Revengeance Studio Soleil. It's inspired by games such as Devil May Cry and Bayonetta and is being developed by famed former Team Ninja developers. From the trailer, it looks like we're getting lots of sore play and dismemberment. This game has no firm release date yet, but all signs point to sometime next year. Xseed let everyone know this weekend that they will be releasing the updated Switch version of Corpse Party in the West this week. I cannot wait to explore Heavenly Host Elementary when this game launches on October 20th. If you love visual novels and gore, then this is the game for you. Here's hoping we see more of the sequels headed to our beloved handheld hybrid console. And a pro tip, if you're going to play Corpse Party, wear a pair of headphones. The internet is a strange and wonderful place sometimes. The fruit of that weirdness is games like our next game that ask the question, what if Resident Evil Village were a 2D Castlevania-style platformer? Resident Vania is a very short, 5-10 to minute game that shows us what would happen if Ethan had to battle everyone's favorite tall lady, Lady Demistress, like he was Simon Belmont. You can check that game out now on itch.io. 
Even mainstream games want to get in on the action on spooky season. Frankenstein's monster is headed to Fortnite. And Call of Duty Warzone is getting spooky by adding Donnie Darko and Ghostface for a limited spooky time event. Famitsu talked to Elden Ring producer Yashihiro Kitsau this past week at Tokyo Game Show. Kitsau confirmed that the game is in the final stages of development and that fans should look forward to a very unusual map structure. To quote Kitsau, you can explore the open field and the seamlessly visit small to medium-sized dungeons within it. There are several types of dungeons to explore, such as catacombs and auditoriums. At the end of the world, we have what we call legacy dungeons, which are huge castle-like dungeons like in previous titles. Elden Ring launches on January 21st, 2022. House of Ashes is ramping up its promotion as we get closer to the release of the game on October 22nd. Supermassive Games gave us a peek at the protagonist that we will play as. I've mentioned that I'm on a black out on this game until sometime after I play it in November. The link is in the show notes though for those who want to watch the trailer. Stubbs the Zombie Rebel Without a Pulse will be free on the Epic Games Store for one week starting on October 14th. If you don't want it for free or you just want that physical copy you will have to wait until October 22nd to get your hands on the zombie man. Ethan Winter's first turn as Resident Evil protagonist in Resident Evil 7 Biohazard has cleared 10 million units. Both Resident Evil Biohazard and Village are such great moves forward at missteps of Resident Evil 6 that I can't wait to see what 9 has in store for us. You know there's a ninth one coming. Next up, now that the week of horror TV is upon us, the news has slowed a little bit, but is extra delicious. Netflix let us know that they are not done collaborating with one of horror's most atmospheric voices, Mike Flanagan. They are teaming up to bring to life The Fall of the House of Usher, a limited series based on multiple works of Edgar Allan Poe. Eight episodes have been ordered. Flanagan has hit another one out of the park for me with Midnight Mass, and I can't wait to see his work on Christopher's Pike, The Midnight Club. Poe feels like such an amazing fit, especially after his work on Hill House and Bly Manor. I'm just very excited to see what he does with the Edgar Allan Poe properties and how he brings them all together. Everyone's favorite devilish witch, Agatha Harkness, is getting her own series on Disney+. Plus. Build as a dark comedy, it will star, of course, Katherine Hahn. I'm excited by all the Marvel villains we've been teased lately, and I love that Disney Plus is leaning into the darker and weirder parts of the Marvel Universe. The chilling adventures of Sabrina may have been cut short, but at least we will get to see Kieran Shipka as Sabrina one more time. It's been confirmed that Sabrina will be making her way to season six of Riverdale. <laughs> Let's see what's been happening in the world of movie news. The 1998 miniseries set a generation of horror fans down a blood-soaked path to our community. Now we're getting a documentary about the creation of that version's Pennywise. Pennywise, the story of It, is premiering at Fantastic Fest this week on October 15th. 700 never-before-seen photos and over 50 interviews will be featured in the documentary, including an interview with Pennywise himself, Tim Curry. John Valley's The Pizzagate Massacre is a grindhouse horror satire that takes the piss out of conspiracy theorists. According to the Paris release, the film is characterized as a darkly comical adventure involving an amateur journalist and a far-right militiaman who team up to expose the ugly truth behind sex cults, a pizza place, and lizard people. The Pizzagate Massacre will be headed to VOD on November 19th. I'm interested. I hope that we handle it in a funny and um, skewering way to the Pizzagate 
controversy. I was a little more apprehensive about it. After seeing one of the shorts in VHS 94, I, I feel a little bit more positive and, and less apprehensive about the concept of a Pizzagate movie. If you were excited to see Ethan Hawke's turn as the grabber in Scott Derrickson's The Black Phone, you'll have to wait a little bit longer. The film has been pushed back to February 4th, 2022. The Passenger, a Spanish horror film that follows a group of strangers on a road trip that gets abruptly interrupted when their van accidentally hits a female hiker in the middle of the night. They decide to take her to the hospital, but soon understand they have to comply with a clear rule, not to sit next to her. It sold its international rights to Level K and is set to premiere at Stiga. The concept of the film really intrigues me, and I thoroughly enjoyed director Raul Ciaro's short horror film, Eight. I'll keep you posted about when we find out more news about release dates in the U.S., Kira Knightley is teaming up with Ridley Scott to explore the real-life story of the Boston Strangler. She will play Lurleiter McLaughlin, who was the real-life reporter who broke the story in the mid-60s. Filming is most likely to start in Boston later this year. Venom Let There Be Carnage topped the box office in its opening weekend with $90 million. I'm looking forward to seeing this bizarre movie when it hits VOD. Seeing that it is currently killing it at the box office, though, that way it's probably going to be a touch longer than I'd like. Marvel's Indian Twitter account may have let the cat out of the bag when regarding when we'll see Mahershala Ali as Blade. The graphic tweeted out with the tweet last week showed October 7th, 2022 as the release date for the film. Norman Partridge's novel, The Dark Harvest, is headed to the big screen. The novel takes place in a small Midwestern town in the early 60s, where the town's teenage boys eagerly square off with the butcher knife-wielding October boy for a chance to win their freedom from town. The film will be released on September 9th, 2022, and will star Elizabeth Reiser, Jeremy Davies, and Luke Kirby. Blumhouse has joined with Epic Films for an eight-movie deal, but that's old news. We're finding out more details about the first three films. The first film... A House on the Bayou is premiering on November 19th. The second film, American Refugee, will be out on December 10th. And the third film was just announced, The Visitor. According to the press release, here's a brief synopsis of The Visitor. After a series of tragedies, including the death of his father-in-law, Robert and his wife Mala leave their home in London and move back to their childhood home. But when Robert discovers an old portrait in an attic of a man who is his spitting image, he goes down a rabbit hole to discover the identity of this mysterious doppelganger, only known as the Visitor. It isn't too long until he realizes where the Visitor goes, death follows. Hotel Transylvania Transformania is coming to Amazon Prime exclusively in January, on the 14th specifically. This is the final film in the beloved animated franchise. Last week, we got a trailer for Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. I'm really enjoying how we are getting both found-footed and more traditionally shot parts of this film, and I'm excited to see how Christopher Landon redirects this series. The film will be streaming on Paramount Plus on October 29th. The definitive documentary series on 80s horror In Search of Darkness, the third installment, is up for pre-order now. The film is available for pre-order on 80shorror.com and will run through midnight on the 31st of October. They're expected to be shipped these out in December of next year. Bill Skarsgård and Samara Weaving are teaming up for Boy Kills World. According to the press release, Skarsgård will play protagonist 
boy who is a deaf mute with a vibrant imagination. When his family murders, he escapes to the jungle and is trained by a mysterious shaman to repress his childish imagination and become an instrument of death. 2021 has been a big year for Pinhead fans. First, we saw the Hell Priest move into Dead by Daylight, and this week we got an official press release from Hulu about David Bruckner's new adaptation. In it, we learned that Pinhead will be played by Sense8 actress Jamie Clayton. Cue the crying of the sad alt-right horror bros who've never engaged with the source material, where Pinhead is very, very androgynous. Barker himself is back to produce and has nothing but enthusiasm for the remake, saying... Having seen some of the designs from Bruckner's new Hellraiser film, they pay homage to what the first film created, but then take it to places it's never been before. This Hellraiser is on a scale I simply didn't expect. David and his team are steeped in the story's mythology, but what excites me is their desire to honor the original, even as they revolutionize it for a new generation. Filming has concluded, and my guess is we'll see Pinhead this time next year, exclusively on Hulu. I thought my primary source of serotonin this week would be the Chucky series, or Friday's premiere of Halloween Kills, or Saturday's premiere of Slumber Party Massacre, but along comes Ghostface and gives me that extra bump. First, we got a look at the film's first poster, followed by getting a look at the first trailer. I am pumped. I am ready to see where this film goes. I am trying not to theorize, figure out anything. I want to be surprised. I may not watch another trailer until we get to January. I can't wait. January cannot come quick enough. Now it's time for the extra little bits, the severed eared releases, the candy drops that come around Halloween time. NECA showed off a 40th anniversary Elvira statue with two different heads, one that's winking, one that's not, and a bunch of accessories including a smoking goblet and a dagger. The figure will be released in Q1 of 2022. Reebok is getting in on the Ghostbusters nostalgia with a collection of shoes that harken back to both the shoe and movies of yore. My personal favorite are the Ecto boot that remind me of my old Reebok pumps. In other Ghostbuster merchandise news, Funko gave us a peek at its latest Ghostbuster collection. The characters and actor ones are cute, but the one I adore are the mini puffs, especially the one in the hot cocoa and the 7-Eleven exclusive one with the pizza. The Target exclusive Stay Puff shirt is also pretty adorable. Carvel is surprising Hocus Pocus fans with three different shakes, one for each of the Sanderson sisters. Sarah's Chili Churro Shake is churro ice cream with a spooky blend of churro crunchies and cinnamon sugar. Mary's Divine Cookie and Cream Shake is classic vanilla soft serve with cookie and cream pieces. And Winnie's Glorious Cake Batter Shake is cake batter ice cream blended into one glorious potion. Our final news story of this week is kind of a strange one. Harrington Vodka is doing a limited run of vodka that has been aged in some of America's most haunted houses, including the one from The Conjuring. The bottles will be available starting today, October 13th, and they will set you back a steep 140 bucks. That's going to do it for the news this week. Now let's move on to the discussion of Shudder Original VHS 94. Alright, listeners, if you've listened to me, you probably know that I am not quite a huge fan of found footage. I do like paranormal activity, 
and I do like the first VHS, but I've not been a fan of the sequels. I just really hadn't, I really haven't found any that had like connected me in a way that I thought was not like you're watching a horror movie. VH 1994 is a very uneven experience for me. I don't really enjoy the framing device story that was uh, written by by Hellraiser director uh, David Bruckner. I, the SWAT team is a little forced. Uh, the ending of it, I feel like it comes out of nowhere. That's fine. It does a good job and a good enough job of holding the plots together. I think that that has always been the weakness of the VHS sequels is that the first one was just we found this house with all these with all these snuff films in it, watch them. And then from there, it's just, I think, gotten worse and worse and worse. The shorts themselves. Fantastic. Storm Drain is my second favorite. It deals with... Uh, a reporter who is doing a special interest story about a rat man who has been spotted in the city sewers. They, her boss, like one of my favorite scenes in the thing is where Holly, the reporter, is on the phone with her boss and she is clearly put out that they want her to go into the sewer to get the shot. And then there is a part of the film where she gets into the sewer and her character takes a little bit of a turn that I'm not like super stoked into with, with the like stereotypical, oh, you're doing it for your Pulitzer. That's fine. I think uh, I do like the end scene of this one where she starts substituting random words with Ratma. I just think it's very creepy in a weird way and and. Uh, where it sits in the story is well-placed. It's creepy and unsettling, and it also gives you a, a look at what we're going to be touching on later in the thing. And I don't know if they meant to bookend this series of tapes with things that have political meaning behind them. I think how we see Holly interact with the homeless people she's trying to cover is really darkly scary and dehumanizing. She only sees them as her story and not anything else. I do think it's a very cool thing that they bring it back full circle that the minister that we see her interviewing out front is now in the sewer and is talking about a new world order of Ratma. It's good. I like it. It's probably my second favorite one uh, or my third favorite one because I really do like this next one a lot too. The Empty Wake was written by Simon Barrett. Uh, you may know him from Seance or Your Next. The slow, creepy feeling that this script and how this was shot gives is amazing to me. I, I mean, the gore at the end of it with the zombie and everything is great, but I really do think that he does a great job of building tension to where you think there's going to be an obvious noise or an obvious thing, and then he'll subvert it, and then they'll hit you over the head with the casket making a noise or something happening that doesn't do it. I think it does a really good job of keeping you off balance. And then when you get the, the twist that the person who is in the casket had some kind of mental breakdown and was screaming from the church, throws himself off of a church building. I think the graphic nature of how the head looks is, is disturbing. Like I can, like if I close my eyes, I can picture that effect in my head. Uh, so I think it's really good. That one might be my second favorite. I think my favorite is probably going to be everybody's favorite, to be fair. Uh, the subject 
which was the subject, which was written by Timo Jajando, is interesting. Um, I think it went on just a little bit too long for me. I was more engaged with the story before uh, the subject becomes like a video game protagonist who jacks a gun into her arm and goes through it. As soon as the doctor's dead, I kind of found myself checking out of the film. And I know that there is something to be said about how the people who were there to save her treat her not as a victim, but as a monster. But I, I don't know. I just feel like this one's overstayed its welcome a little bit. I do love the visuals of it. It is my probably my favorite shot of all of these, the story just stayed a little too long for me. I think I said where the doctor dies. I think the perfect place to end it would have been that moment where she sees herself and she can feel like she starts feeling her half video head and she sees herself in the mirror the first time. And then that leaves us to our final short, which is written and directed by Ryan Prowse. And it is called Terror. In this one, there is a militia movement in Michigan who has captured a vampire and they set out to destroy a government building outside in downtown Detroit. And I... I find this one deeply scary as someone who grew up in the Midwest and who grew up on the border of Michigan and knows plenty of people whose siblings or other relatives are part of the very strange right-wing Michigan militias. I think my favorite thing in this film is how they all think they are competent, but Ryan directs and writes them in such a way that they are shown to be the fools and jokes that they are. Uh, I also think like shout out to the just no fucks given approach to bringing cops and their shitty involvement with these right wing militias into this film. One of my favorite things about horror movies is using fantastical horrific situations to highlight the everyday horror in your life. And Ryan Prowse, the director and writer of this thing, said he was inspired by watching white supremacist documentaries. And he's right. They are terrifying, right? Like, and the fact that we don't talk about enough or don't acknowledge enough that the people who are supposed to protect us and who are supposed to be the people we call when we have an emergency or we're in trouble and need help are slowly over the decades being radicalized by these types of militia groups. You see this in the Pacific Northwest where I live. It's definitely a thing that happens in Michigan, in the Midwest, in that greater Lake Michigan area. And I think that it's, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty good. I also dig that the vampire gets the last laugh. Like, yes, the vampire dies at the end, but he uh, gets to take everyone out. I think another good point to be brought up is their incompetence is shown by the fact that they take out more of themselves than the vampire takes out. They're trigger happy, they're undisciplined, they rush in without thinking, but these are the kind of people who would tell you they've had tons of military experience and tons of training. And I think it does a really good way of highlighting just how dangerous people with that kind of mentality can be 
while also roasting them to the degree that they deserve to be roasted. I think this is, I think it's probably obvious. We talked about earlier that I was a little bit nervous about the Pizzagate movie. And while they are not made by the same person, I have hope now that the Pizzagate movie, Pizzagate Massacre movie may be something I would be interested in watching because of terror, because of how well this movie was made, how this subject matter was handled in a horror movie. I think it really opened up my eyes to the possibility of this as something that is genuinely terrifying and also entertaining to watch. I think it does a really good job of balancing the ridiculousness of these people with how dangerous they actually could be. And then it adds a supernatural bit in there, which is just icing on the cake. So that's the five things. Uh, we could talk about the development a little bit. David Bruckner was supposed to direct, but uh, had to drop out because he's making the Hellraiser reboot. The other thing that I think is important to bring up because we talked about them, their new movie in the news is Radio Silent, who was, who directed my favorite VHS segment so far, which is 1031-98 from the first film, was going to direct a piece in this, but had to step down because they're making the Scream sequel. I think that is the thing that makes me the most excited about VHS and especially this chunk of directors. I think Chloe Acuno with the way that she handled the cultish nature, like I would love to see a full length movie from her. I think she has an exciting voice. I think all of these directors and writers have an exciting voice and I hope that VHS 94 is a jumping point off for them like the original was for Bruckner and Radio Silence. I think it's a good movie. It's definitely enjoyable 100 minutes of your life. And if you have Shudder, it's definitely worth checking out. They talked about there being a sequel, maybe possibly a sequel. And they've got plenty of ideas for another VHS movie, but it really will depend on the reception of VHS 94. So if you are a big found footage person, I think you'll probably like all of these movies. I think that if you're not, this is kind of a good one to use. Like I said, I think the weakest bit of it is the, the story that connects them all together, but that's always going to be the hardest part. And this one was definitely serviceable and the characters were definitely weird and the concept was very strange. So that's going to do it for this week's show. I'm your ghost dispenser. You can find me all over the internet as Miss Nintendeek64. You can find this show on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube as a Halloween club. I've got show reviews, movie reviews, and horror games going up on the channel in the upcoming weeks. This week I'm going to be talking about Chucky tomorrow. And then on Friday, I'm going to talk about I Know What You Did Last Summer, the series. And then Monday is going to be a Slumber Party Massacre review. That's what you've got to look forward to. And next week's movie that we're going to talk about, of course, will be Halloween Kills. Don't forget to give me a rating on App Apple Podcast if you've got a chance. That really helps get the podcast out to other people. You know what time it is and you know what to do. Sleep or don't. Thank <laughs> you.